Amen. It is concerning that a lot of folks in these last days are either not paying attention to what's going on or have developed a very lackadaisical attitude toward the coming of the Lord. We've got to be careful that we do not let this world form our standards for us. Fellow in this parable, I got it made. I'm going to kick back. I knew these suspenders come in handy one of these days. I'm going to kick back. I got more than I can ever spend. I'm just build a bigger barn for my stuff. I got it made. I'm going to go buy me a bad, brand new pickup truck and a Ranger bass boat, and I'm just going to kick back and let her go. But the Lord called him a fool. He said, you fool. Tonight, your soul will be required of you. We do not know what tomorrow is going to hold. If you don't believe that, ask Brother Raymond. He'll tell you. You never know what the next day is going to hold. And it is imperative that we establish priorities in our life that are based upon the truth of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's coming back, folks. It's going to happen. And you may say, well, through my own efforts, and, and, and I'm not knocking that, you know, it's, it's good to get an education, it's good to have a good job, or, or to be an entrepreneur, or a businessman, or or, or whatever it is uh, to accumulate wealth. There's no sin in accumulating wealth. The sin is in loving it. It's in loving it. There's no sin in money. It's the love of it that makes the wrong. And I, I'll just tell you, and I know there are times I've been in exasperation to the leadership of this congregation, but loving money ain't nothing to me but a tool. It's a means to an end. And that's all I do. I don't love it. I don't hoard it. If you don't believe me, I'll pull up my bank account on the computer. I can show you. I got evidence to the fact. I mean, it does a lot of stuff. It can make life more comfortable, but it cannot save your soul. And it cannot heal you when only healing will do. It cannot deliver you when only divine power is able. And it, You know, like I said, it can't save you. But it especially in this culture in America now, uh, everything is dependent upon that. You know, you, you turn on and, uh, the news and the stock market is making gains after gains after gains. Now, that don't affect me because I ain't got no stock. I ain't got no money in no stock. If you have, I hope your stock rises higher. Like I said, but it is important that our priorities are right. And this man in this parable, his priorities were all messed up because he was what? self Centered. Take notice. In that second verse, he thought within himself, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. I will store all my crops and my goods. I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. You got it made for a long time. Everything's looking great. Everything's working out just the way I planned it. Well, I'm going to have a retirement. And especially, you know, in, in this day and that, that, what they're saying now is that if you ain't got $2 million, you ain't going to be able to retire. Boy, it knocks me out. 
Well, <laughs> I mean, if the Lord don't come back, you'll have old brother Andy leaning like this on the pulpit. Now you have your Bibles with you tonight. What, wake him up. Oh, yeah. And everything's geared toward that. You see, you know, all the commercials, all these folks in their, you know, 70s and 80s that are all vigorous and, and all this, and that's good, you know. I, I don't want nobody to be, you know, sick or, or disabled, but beloved, that just ain't reality. The days in this world are going to end, and it is imperative. And the Lord, not only here, but in, in, the, in the succeeding verses, when the Lord is going to remind us just how important it is to be ready for his coming. Nothing is more important in your life than being ready for the resurrection. Nothing. Nothing and nobody. No thing, no amount of money, no relationship, but whoever it is you're in love with. Nothing is more important than being ready for the resurrection. Amen. Either to leave this world through the grave, so to speak, or to be ready when that trumpet sounds and those which are alive and remain are caught up together in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. This man said, I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll do the other, I'm successful, I got all this money, going to build these barns. God says, whoa, that's a whole lot of I will there, son. I will do that. We shouldn't do that. We should say, Lord, as you will. Boy, Brother Bowling got me on that one day. I, and that's been years ago. I said something, I'm going to do this or that or whatever. I got all bowed up about, I don't even remember what the subject was. He said, boy, you better slow up. You better say, as the Lord wills, you'll do this or that. And he was right. Amen. As the Lord wills. Not my will, but his will be done. So in the 21st verse, Jesus says, So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now, there's a very positive thing in that last phrase because that means it is possible to be rich toward God. That don't mean you have to be, you know, just as poor in this life, but it is possible to be rich toward God. If we want to be, we can be. Amen. There ain't nothing stopping our relationship with God but us. It's not on his end, it's on our end. We have just as much as we desire to have. Amen. We can, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the principle with the, with the worship service, when we come to uh, worship the Lord, you know, if you want to get in and, and make the effort, God will bless it. Amen. If we sit there with this, well, if our mind is on everything else that's going on around us, then we'll miss out. But for those people who say, you know what, I'm going to check all that at the door. I'm not going to take that in church with me. All thing I'm going to take into church with me is a desire to worship the Lord and his will be done. You'd be glad you did. Verse 35, he goes on down here from verse 21. I knew I had a gap there. Jesus says, listen, let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, that they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, listen, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. Now, boy, that's a picture right there, isn't it? 
We're talking about the marriage supper of the Lamb. He is going to serve. The Lord will. He, just exactly what he said right here. And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready. Maintain a state of readiness, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. The world will not be looking for him when he comes. His church will be looking for him when he comes. Because his church is looking for him all the time. We are to be looking, watching, waiting for the Lord 24-7. You know, I, I referenced that song Brother uh, Doyle used to sing years ago. I'm looking for Jesus to come any night, any day. I'm looking for Jesus to take his bride away. If he don't come tonight, I'm looking for him at daylight. I'm looking for Jesus to come any day. It may be a situation where something else has absolutely captured the attention of the world. I'm pretty sure it will be. And the world won't be looking for him to come. But the church will be. Amen. Born again folks will be. Why? Because of what he has said in this parable. You watch. You wait. You're watching. You're looking. You're not sleeping. You're not nodding off. Now, I know these are metaphors. But you live every day. And this is, the, this is not the secret, but it is the definition of the abundant life that Jesus promised. People get that all tore out to say, well, that abundant life surely must be God's going to make me a millionaire. No, it isn't. The abundant life that Jesus promised is that we live in the expectation of his return every day. And you know, I've, you know, I've shared this with you for, you know, for years, especially with Christmas coming up. You know, the, 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 what I share with you about uh, uh, the expectation of my presence when I was a kid and trying to figure out what my presence were under the tree and just, just living in that expectation that Christmas Day is coming and when it comes, I'm going to tear in them presents and all of that stuff will be mine. Mine. Now, as I've got older, my expectations have dropped a little bit. You know, I'm looking for another bottle of Old Spice. I'm looking for another sock or two. You know, I don't have to have a whole lot of, you know, stuff, so to speak, for me to have a Merry Christmas. But the point is that the abundant life Jesus promises that we live in the expectation that as bad as this world is and as worse as it is getting day after day, we have that, that, that tremendous anticipation of the coming of the Lord with the knowledge that when he comes, I'm going. I'm leaving here. And, and well, who all is leaving? You know who's leaving? Those who are ready for him to come are those who say, Lord, there ain't nothing in this world I'm willing to trade. I'm willing, oh, glory, I just felt, I'm willing to leave it all behind. I ain't got a whole lot, but there ain't nothing I got. There ain't nothing I've seen yet that's worthy trading that hope of the resurrection. And, that, and we've got to live that on a daily basis. It's every day's business. Because the Lord said, blessed are those servants. When he comes, he will find what? Watching. Not distracted with other stuff. 
but watching for him to come. I, I remember, and you know, and this, this is years ago, I've shared it with you before, but that was, it was a preacher's wife in Florida. And she made this, the dumbest statement I think anybody claiming to be a born-again child of God has ever made. This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard anybody ever saying. Oh, I don't want the Lord to come back. Me and my husband are going to retire. We're going to get an RV and go. Now, that is just idiocy. You mean you, you want to delay the Lord's coming so you can spend some time in this wretched, sin-cursed world in an RV and go around and, and you know? You, you just Where did that come from? There is nothing in this world worth trading going in the resurrection going in the rapture for us who are alive and remain. There's nothing worth that. There's nothing worth being distracted for when that trumpet sounds. Amen. And that trumpet may sound, you know, I, I talk a lot of, <laughs> I, I talk about dying more than any other preacher I've ever heard. But the truth of the fact is, it's going to happen. But if you're ready for it, praise God. Amen. Lord dealt with me just a couple of weeks ago. Says, "Son, heaven's better than healing." And it all comes back to our faith. Do we really believe it or not? Do we believe that someone can die and enter into the presence of the Lord? Do we believe what Jesus said about Lazarus laying at the gate, full of sores at the rich man's gate? People went by. Poor old Lazarus. They pitied him. They admired that rich man. Ooh. Let's call him Bubba. Ooh, Bubba. You see Bubba? Man, you see the, 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 the herd of camels that Bubba's got? He got them Cadillac camels. You seen where Bubba lives? Boy, he, he lives behind a, a, a wall. He has a big gate at his house. He got more money he ever going to spend. And people like that are looked up to and admired. And Lazarus is laying there and, and from time to time is an object of pity. And mostly he just despised. Lord, I, I just thank you. I'm not as pitiful as that poor old fella is. But what happens when both of them die? Jesus said, the Son of God, by the way, said that when Lazarus died, that the angels of the Lord came down and escorted him to Abraham's bosom. What is Abraham's bosom? That's the jumping off place. Because you ain't nobody going to heaven unless Jesus takes you there. So the Old Testament Christians went to Abraham's bosom. The rich man who still don't have a name died and went to hell. And he cries out to Lazarus. He, he remembers old, you know, there might have been a time when old Bubba went by and seen Lazarus laying at the gate and they maybe throwed him a, a dollar or two or a shekel or two or a few coins. Well, here, take this, son. And went on about his way and was preoccupied with just enjoying himself to the most. But Jesus said that the rich man looked over and noticed Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. Lazarus died and went to heaven, so to speak, or was on his way. The rich man died and went to hell. Now, who is the better off today? Because this is the reality. Lazarus is still in heaven as I speak. The rich man is still in hell as I speak. It makes a difference, and it concerns me. And I'm not trying to be judgmental on anybody, but it concerns me when I see folks with a very lackadaisical attitude toward the coming of the Lord. 
and people who are distracted by the things of this world and they set their priorities according to that. The stock market, you know, like I said, it's, it's reaching record highs. But boy, and here's, here's, a, here's a scenario I pray to God don't come to pass. But what if old Pete Booted Jagger, however you pronounce his name, is elected president of the United States? The man is a practicing homosexual. You want that in the White House? Do you realize the peril that would place our nation in before God? Do, you, do, do we appreciate the statement that would make as a nation before God? I don't want it. You know, I, and I, I'm, I'm not getting political here. I'm, I'm getting biblical here. You got a man that, that, has, that has proclaimed Jerusalem as the eternal capital of Israel. You got a man that has moved the U.S. embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. You have a man who says, hey, Israel owns the land. You have a man that is being a blessing, and according to the word of God, as he blesses Israel, God will bless him, and because he's the president, our nation will be blessed. Amen. Now, there is a very definite, I mean, it's, it's just a war. Our nation is divided. I understand that. We're divided along political lines, but it's more than politics. It's spiritual. It's spiritual. And as the church, we got a job to do. We've got to stand for this book, period. And not be dissuaded by consequences. Let's stand for the word of God. Because the day is coming when those who stand for the God of this Bible, who believe in him, that trumpet going to sound, folks. When the attention of the world is on something else, the trumpet's going to sound. The dead in Christ are going to rise. Then those who are alive and remain are going to be caught up together with them in the air in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. Quicker than I can snap my fingers. Boom. That quick. Too quick. Too quick to pray. Too quick to say, Lord, anything. Too quick. We got to get ourselves and keep ourselves ready on this side of the trumpet. So that when the trumpet sounds and he comes back, he finds us like this. We're like the disciples at the Mount of Olives when he ascended to the right hand of the Father. To their credit, this is, this is all 11 of them look like. And the angels had to say, what you boys looking for? We're looking for him to come back. He'll be back in a minute. He ain't going to be gone long. That's the attitude we ought to have. I'll just be honest with you. When Jesus comes back, I wouldn't find me like this. Wouldn't it be great if the Lord were to come back on a Sunday morning when we're in the middle of just a red-hot worship service? Wouldn't that be great? Praise God. I mean, you know, I mean, we may be, it may be in the middle of the night as far as our time zone is concerned. But wouldn't it be great just, just, just to go straight from, you know, there's power in the blood? Straight on up into the presence of the Lord. And we don't, you know, we don't emphasize or, or concentrate on just what that's going to be enough as we ought to. The, the reuniting of loved ones. What? I mean, I can't even put that in words. I can't even describe the joy 
that is going to take place when we are reunited with loved ones, when we see them again, from hearts that have been broken to hearts now that have been healed, from those that carry a measure of sorrow because of their loss, but now they are healed. Glory to God. When, those, when, when we, we are reunited in a glorified body, and it occurs to us that this condition will never change and it will never end. And that sorrow and heartbreak I experienced, never again. No more to be separated. No more sorrow. Praise God. And see, we, and the thing about it is, we don't encourage ourselves as we ought to do. Thinking on those good things and what it means to be ready when the Lord comes. Verse 41. Then Peter said to him, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. But if that servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour when he is not aware and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. You can backslide, folks. That's possible. You know, it's something we don't want to address, but I can prove it. Read the book of Hebrews. Come back and talk to me. And that servant, <clears throat> listen, who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few. Now here's the thing that applies to us, and as I've shared with you over the years, this is a dangerous place to come to church. For everyone to whom much is given from him, much will be required. And to whom much has been committed of him, they will ask the more. We've been given much. We have not just been blessed We've been greatly blessed. Amen. When we receive a new uh, member uh, into the conference of the church, when I shake their hand and I tell them this when we go through membership orientation, I shake their hand, I look them in my eye, and I say, this is your church. This is your church. This is your responsibility. You have just become a steward over somebody else's property. Amen. Now, I don't say that to intimidate or, or, you know, instill fear in everybody, but just to remind us of what our responsibilities are. The Lord has blessed us abundantly, and we got nobody to blame but ourselves if we blow it. It's up to us to remain true to this book. It's up to us to dedicate ourselves to the will of our Savior. It's up to us to say, Lord, not my will, your will be done. It's up to us to 
remain in that posture of awareness, of watching, of looking for the coming of the Lord, of living every day in the expectation that he might come. We're all praying for Brother Raymond. We're going to pray for him again tonight. He's got a very serious condition concerning his heart. I saw the photographs of the blockages. They're impressive. Just And, and you go, the only reason he's alive tonight is the grace of God. But we never know what tomorrow's going to bring. So we need to get ready, stay ready, and be ready when the Lord comes. But also to live, that's a very positive thing, to live in this anticipation, this expectation of the coming of the Lord. I'm going to heaven. When that trumpet sounds, I'm gone. I'm leaving everything behind. I don't know who wants that Harley in the tribulation. If they can get to lock off that shop, they can have it. I got a Lincoln and I got an old 7 GMC truck. And I got a boat. And I ain't taking none of that with me. And I ain't, surely ain't going to trade it or nothing or nobody else. For the assurance and the expectation I have in my heart that today may be the day. Anybody ever had a bad day? Raise your hand. Brother, I've had bad days. I've had some bad days. Man, I've had some bad days. When nothing goes right, you stump your toe, you trip, you bump your head into something, you ain't even got out of the house yet. You put on your clothes, all of a sudden you're trying to put your foot in your britches, if you're a man or whatever, and you tear a hole into something. I've done it more times than you know. And it just and that there's some days I think I believe I just want to crawl back in bed and just put the pillow over my head and hope that the roof don't fall down on me. Everybody's had bad days. But we live in the expectation. You may be going through the worst day of your life, but that just may be the day when the Lord comes. Praise God. You may be looking at circumstances and issues, you cannot figure them out. You don't see a way. You've worried and worried and worried and worried, and it's just like the, the, uh, the sword of Damocles is just swinging over your neck. And you just, you're absolutely, you're immobile. You, you, can't do, you can't do anything to affect your situation, and your situation is awful. But you begin to think, today may be the day that before this day is out, the trumpet of the Lord may sound. Before this day has passed, the Son of God may step forward with a shout with the voice of the archangel. Before this day is over, the dead in Christ may rise first. Before this sun is set, I may be caught up together with them in the air, and so I shall ever be with the Lord. So we, we have all this negative stuff that we have to deal with on one side, but Jesus has given us the gift of great expectation to counter, not only counter that, but overcome it on the other. Because it may be the worst day of your life may become the greatest day of your life. Because the best day of our life is when we go home and be with the Lord. We kiss all of our bad days, wave goodbye. We sing that song. Brothers and sisters in Christ, moved on by the Holy Spirit, have composed outstanding hymns. That red back hymn was full of them. You know? 
that we're going to be gone. And that's what Jesus is, is saying here. Be ready. And if you've been blessed, assume responsibility for the blessings of God. He's going to go on in some others about the, the parable of the talents. You know, to whom much is given, much is expected. Of whom much is given, much is required. But the blessing from that requirement is that we'll go home to be with him. That we'll be reunited with folks that we love. And that we'll get out of these wretched bodies and inhabit a glorified body similar to the Lord's himself. Got a lot to look forward to. I'll just wind this deal up with, share with you again, Brother Mark Cawley, after that awful automobile accident, what, 05, when Josh Jarman was killed and the Suggs girls were killed and Brittany was just broken like a, just, you just broke her. And old Mark's asleep in the middle of the night. He sees Josh, but Josh is fine. He said, Josh, what are you doing? And Josh spoke to him and said, Uncle Mark, we're getting ready for supper. Mark pops open. He's wide awake. And Moretta said, what's the matter, honey? What's the matter? He said, I just had a dream. He said, I just seen Josh. I just talked to him. What are you talking about? I saw him. I talked to him. I said, what are you doing? He said, Uncle Mark, we're getting ready for supper. Mark's eye just bug-eyed. How do you know that? Because he was bug-eyed the next day when I talked to him at the church, at the funeral service. Boy, Brother Mark was still fired up. My Lord. We have everything to look forward to. Let's press on with a confidence and assurance. Let's really take to heart our responsibility for what the Lord has done for us. What the Lord has done for us. It is his doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. God has blessed us. And because, because we really don't have any exposure to a lot of other so-called stuff that's going on, we're used to this. But I'm glad. I'm thankful. I come to church. I come to church expecting. Amen. Now, a lot of times, well, Brother Andy, why, why is it that it happens on Sunday? Most, most Pentecostal churches, they have their red-hot services on Sunday night. Lord has decided that he's going to bless us on Sunday morning. And I think I got I figured out why, because he's got most people here Sunday morning, most visitors here Sunday morning. And he wants to show himself alive to them. Amen. Brother Andy, don't it bother you that, you know, you don't, sometimes you don't get to preach on Sunday morning? Don't bother me at all. None whatsoever. Why? Because there's people in this house who wasn't born and raised in this. But they need to know that the God of the Bible is real. They need to know that the presence of the Holy Spirit is real. They need to know that there is one who has power to affect their life. This Jesus whom we worship, this Jesus whom we serve, that with him all things are possible. And that's our responsibility. We got folks, we had that lady come in again this morning, lost her nine-year-old daughter. 
And she is, she is so overcome with grief and suffering. She came down. She stayed for most of the service and got up. and had, she, she thought she was going to get sick to her stomach. She got up and left out. But you know, one of our members walked out of the building with her. See, this Holy Ghost is more than shouting and speaking in tongues, folks. There will be times when the Spirit of God will move on you. He will have you right where he wants you. Because you don't have to be in a, in a big old crowd of folks in the altar for the Spirit of God to move. He can use you in a one-on-one -on -one situation. And that lady was ministered to. And that's our responsibility. We are here to be the extended arms and hands of Jesus Christ. To pray in faith, believing one for another. And to reach out to folks who are hurting. And demonstrate to them the reality of the God of the Bible. And the Savior of the world, our Lord Jesus Christ. And now we have an opportunity to fulfill our responsibility. You go, well, Brother Andy, you know, intercessory prayer and prayer is the last thing that we do, you know, before we go home, eat, do whatever else that we do. But it is just as important as anything else we do in a worship service. We have the opportunity to pray for the needs of others. There are people who'd rather be here than where they are. I've been there. I've been in a situation where I'd much rather been in church than where I was. And I depended on this congregation to pray for me. And you did, and the Lord blessed. But there are still folks who stand in need of our intercessory ministry tonight. Everybody